Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. On this show, we interview a lot of recovering addicts, people who have overcame adversity and found a way out of hell. And today I have Carol. So Carol, I've known you basically since I've been clean, gotten to know you a little more and more as the years have gone by. You have 22 years clean? Yes. So where are you from? Born and raised in Jamaica. Not Jamaica, Queens. Jamaica, West Indies. Jamaica, okay. Yeah. I came to the States when I was like 16. Oh, wow. So you grew up in Jamaica. I grew up there. How was that? Tough. I mean, I had a good home. You know, my aunt was a teacher. My parents died when I was little. Mm -hmm. So I went to live with an aunt or whatever. She was a teacher, churchy, churchy, Mm -hmm. all that. She was abusive. She was tough. Mm -hmm. But she taught me, like, all the basics, how to eat with a knife and fork, because my mom, she didn't care. You can eat with a spoon for all she cared. She had 10 kids. Wow, you're one of 10? I'm the baby. Wow. I'm the last one. Wow. And the only recovering addict in my family. Are there any other addicts? Hell yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're the only one who's clean. I'm the only one who's clean. The only one who says she has a problem. Wow. Yeah. So you came to New York when you were 16? Yeah. What was that like? Culture shock, for Mm -hmm. sure. You know, in Jamaica, I was more church and school. That's Mm -hmm. it. So when we moved to the States, you know, my aunt worked like in the suburbs or whatever. We lived in the city. She was gone all the time. I let loose. Mm -hmm. When did you start like acting out? Well, I've been always acting out. Mm -hmm. I was acting out even when I was two years old. Mm -hmm. You know, I I stole for the first time at two. I didn't even understand what money was or what to Mm -hmm. do with money. But I saw it and I took it. Yeah. My mother, she was still alive. My mom died when I was seven. So wow. she's like, who took the money? Who took the money? I'm like, not me. And I'm sitting on it. Yeah. Why are your hands under you? And she found the $2. I got it beaten. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I took it. So who raised you? My aunt. One of my mom's sisters. So your aunt raised yeah. you? What was your relationship like with your dad? My dad died when I was five. Wow. So I had no parents. I grew up with, no, with parents. no parents. But I had a bunch of siblings and oh. my mother... How old is your oldest sibling? My oldest sibling passed away at 71. Wow. Yeah. He just died last year. My oldest How much living, older are they? For, like 20 like years. 20 years? Yeah. Okay, wow. So they were pretty grown when you were young. Yeah. So basically you were raised from your aunt and like your oldest sibling. No, my older siblings didn't raise me. They didn't really have to raise me because my aunt took full control. Gotcha. 
Yeah. Once my parents died, my aunt took full control. I mean, she raised us well. She raised my sister mm-hmm. and I. She raised us well. I went to really good schools. I got a really great education, but she was strict. Mm-hmm. When do you start using? My first time using, I was probably like nine and I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what it was. There was just some boy hanging out at my school. He didn't even go to my school. Mm-hmm. Some grown-ass boy. And I went to Catholic schools. I'm in not Catholic. Yeah. No, not in New York. In oh, Jamaica. in Jamaica. Okay. I went to Catholic primary school, which is like elementary, mm-hmm. and then straight to another Catholic high school. So outside my school, there's this guy, and he's like, here. He just hands it to me, mm-hmm. a joint, and I smoked it. You know, he just told me what to do, and I smoked it. Mm-hmm. I felt dizzy. You know, my eyes were red. I got in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, why are your eyes red? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but um, that was my first real experience with, like, a real substance. Yeah. Like a substance, period. But don't get me wrong, Brian. Before my father even died, like, he was a musician. You mm-hmm. know, my father is a singer. And he would have these parties in our yard, and all his friends would be there, and they'd all be drunk, all fucked up. And I know what it looks like. I never, you know, mm-hmm. they would give me some rum punch and whatever. And it's red and it's sweet. Like I would drink it as a little kid, but I didn't know mm-hmm. that. So, you know, I'd get in trouble if I'm like, Papa, Papa, look. And I'm like turning around, acting like a drunk person. He yeah. didn't like it. Oh, wow. So I knew that that red thing that they drank made them drunk, mm-hmm. even though I didn't get drunk. Yeah. So you smoke weed for the first time at nine? Around nine, yeah. And then when did it like it start becoming like a habit? Did you keep smoking weed? No. That no. was the one time. Gotcha. At that age. I got into Coke when I was around eighteen. Mm-hmm. I had already moved to the States. You know, I'm hanging out with my friends and whatever. We'd go to the gay club. You know, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. I'm gay. I Okay. <laughs> I'm undercover gay. Okay, so when did you come out? I came out when I got clean. Wow. Yes. So you were undercover this whole time? The whole time. That's why I have kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you have... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I never thought I about children. that. Yeah. I, was like, I wow. have children because wow. I was a closeted gay person. Wow. So wait, wait. So you lived in Jamaica and you used there a couple of times, but you didn't really start using until you were like 18 yeah. in college in New York. Yeah. Not college. I didn't do college. Okay. 18. 18. So we're all hanging out. Every mm-hmm. Saturday we go to the gay club and I'm getting ready and everybody's in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are they in the bathroom? Mm-hmm. So I opened the door. I'm like, what y'all doing? And I saw the Coke. I knew it was Coke. Because what year was this? It was 88. All right. The summer of 88. So, you know, I like like history. Like, what was 1988 like in New York back then? It was in the cool. club scene? It was cool. It was cool. <laughs> what were yeah. people doing? It was cool. I was 18. You know, you can't get into a club at 18. Mm-hmm. But I was getting in. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't really card or whatever. If you looked apart, you mm-hmm. come on in, you know? It was just really nice. Yeah. Yeah. What type of music was coming out back then? House. Okay. Yeah. House music. Like Duran Duran? Well, we listened to... <laughs> talk about Duran Duran. <laughs> That's all I know. That was all MTV. Yeah. But um, yeah, Duran Duran, cool. Uh-huh. But um, like the club scene... Pat Benatar? Was, that was the 80s. Yeah. Okay. But the club scene was, like, different. Like, I went to... The club scene was, like, house music. It was total house music and, like, underground and stuff Uh like that. I bet you never heard of Sweet Pussy Pauline. Mm -mm. Exactly. Okay. Underground. Underground? Mm Mm-hmm. So... Nice. You went to a lot? You were, like, a club girl? Yes. Till I was about... Till I got clean. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, hang on. So, what was it like, like, when you first started doing coke? All the girls in the bathroom, you go in there and you're like, what's going on? I'm like, what y'all doing? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And they're like, oh, no, you don't want any of this. Because mm-hmm. they knew I, I've never done coke. Yeah. But I had seen the movie Less Than Zero. Like, that was yeah, one yeah. of my favorite movies. Wow. So I knew what it was. I was like, mm-hmm. I want some. Just like that. Wow. And the minute I did it, I had to have it every weekend. Really? Yeah. So what happens in the rest of your story? Number one, I'm Jamaican. I was raised religious. I was raised intellectually, right? Use mm-hmm. your brain. And everything in me knew that I was fucked. The minute I did it, mm-hmm. the minute I did it, I thought, oh, this is so much fun. This is so much fun. Summer of 88 was the first time I did coke. Between 88 and 89, I OD'd mm. on heroin. I'm not a heroin user, but... It was laced? No. I was, you know, partying. Yeah, partying. You, okay. At my apartment at the time, you know, mm-hmm. my very first apartment. I'm, by this time, I'm in Chicago. What are you doing for work? I was working for a cleaning service. Okay. Yeah. Being she taught cleaning. me everything I know. Okay. Yeah. So I was working for this cleaning service. I was making like $30 a day, but I still had a Coke habit. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this friend, this Nigerian guy, my connect, hooked me up, gave me a bunch of Coke one Friday night. I had a girl over mm-hmm. and we we're like getting high and, you know, whatever. And we ran out. At like three in the morning. And she's like, oh, I could get stuff. She makes a call. She's like, oh, my middle name is Anne. So she's mm-hmm. like, Anne, no girl, but there's boy. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what was girl or boy. I had no experience. So it was boy. It was heroin. She gets it. I start getting high. And I'm thinking it's Coke. It looks like Coke. And I'm doing it like, I, you know, I'm snorting yeah. heroin like I snort Coke and I OD'd. I OD'd. I was in the hospital for wow. like two weeks. She didn't explain to you like this is totally different. She thought I knew what I was doing. Gotcha. She's like, girl, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. She never explained what's boy or girl. Yeah, because you just I felt were like, stupid. whatever. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was white. It had the mm-hmm. crystals. It yeah. looked just like Coke. Wow. So you overdosed for the first time? I overdosed. The, my first and only OD that I know mm-hmm. of. I was hospitalized for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. I was in a coma. My wow. family was making like funeral arrangements and everything. Wow. Yeah. I had a trait, you know, that thing. Mm-hmm. To, to yeah, help you yeah. breathe. Yeah. So then what happens later So I on? get out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying I'm lucky. I'm lucky to be alive. I could barely breathe. I had pneumonia or whatever while I was mm-hmm. in a coma. And I'm breathing barely. And I wanted to still smoke cigarettes. And I'm like, where's the coke? Mm-hmm. Kept using. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So this is 89 that this happened, like November. Fast forward, kept doing coke and whatever. Discovered crack. Mm. In a little motel in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Party girl, right? I'm always in the clubs. No matter where I go, I like go to dancing? a club. Is that oh, what yeah. it is? You're a dancer? I'm a dancer. I didn't I know love that. Music. Yeah. Oh, you know what you love is you love musicals. I love musicals. That's so Because funny. that's meditative for me. But mm-hmm. I love dancing. You love dancing. I love music. Okay, so you're in this party in so Detroit. So I'm partying. And How'd you I end up met, in Detroit? Yeah, I, Detroit. Running away from my problems in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I was working for this lady. She mm-hmm. was really cool. She taught me everything I know, you know, with cleaning and how to do it professionally and whatever. Mm-hmm. I fucked her over. Left and went to Detroit. Didn't know anybody in Detroit. I just picked a place. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, $27. I can afford that. Wow. So I went to Detroit, ended up in a homeless shelter. Mm. How old? How old was I? 22. Okay. Yeah. So I ended up in a homeless shelter. That's where I got pregnant with my first son. You know, Jason, you met Mm -hmm. Jason. 
but I was partying. I met this guy and he's like, you get high? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you want to get turned on? I'm like, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's what we called it back then. I'll turn you on. Mm-hmm. That means, you know, they'll give you a bump or yeah. something. So shit that he pulls out, I'm like, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was all rocked up. Yeah. I'm like, that's Ready Rock. That's what we call it in Chicago, rock, okay. Ready Rock. And I'm like, I don't do Ready Rock because people who did Ready were Rock. Were homeless. They were homeless. <laughs> they were bitches with like head wraps and uh-huh. head rags and flip flops and dirty feet coming mm-hmm. into the club, like looking for the dope dealer. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And like, I became that. Wow. I became that one hit and I was mm-hmm. fucked. Yeah, I remember the first time I smoked. I instantly knew that I would struggle with this for the rest of my life. Like, I had enough self-awareness to know that, like, I couldn't even stop doing coke. Like, I couldn't imagine having money on me and nobody around and, like, and not do and not getting it. Like, I just was mm-hmm. like, this is, yeah, you really do feel like you fucked up your whole life. Yeah, because from that moment on, Brian, there were no breaks. Mm-hmm. There was no, oh, I'll just do it on the weekends or I'll just do it when I go party, mm-hmm. clubbing. Nope, always had to have it. Mm-hmm. So what was your story like after that? Post-crack? No, you did Oh, my story is, so I get pregnant mm-hmm. in 92. I got pregnant with my first son in 92. I got pregnant in Detroit. Didn't know who the father was because, you know, I fucked around a lot. You know, I fucked where the drugs were. Mm-hmm. That was it. So I got pregnant with my son. I was going to have an abortion or whatever. My sister-in-law talks me out of it. I left Detroit, went to Jersey, back to family people i knew mm-hmm. now what's going on with your family are they trying to help you no do they know that you're using like hard i lied to them mm-hmm. you know everything was always good even when i od'd that one time i'm like oh no i no i don't do drugs like that it's something she gave me something uh-huh. you know when i came out i told i lied mm-hmm. i told them you know this girl fucked me over but mm-hmm. I got away with it for a couple of years until i started getting high in new jersey where a lot of my family was And I had two brothers that got high, too. Mm -hmm. So I got high with them. Because I got close to those two brothers, my family knew. Like, what the fuck is Anne doing hanging out with Andy and Arthur? Mm -hmm. So they knew you were smoking. They knew I was doing something. Something, okay. Because I'm quiet. Normally, I'm quiet. I'm Mm -hmm. shy. I'm reserved, right? I was Mm -hmm. taught to be that way. But on coke, I'm like wilding out. (laughs) Like, duh. Yeah. How did the downward spiral get? Brian, the downward spiral, shit. You know, my deal was hook up with a dope dealer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty, whatever. Yeah, I wish I was a girl when I was using it. I would have had it made. No, you don't have it made, <laughs> <messing with you. laughs> No, you don't have it made. That shit is whack. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> I freaking hooked up with this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I lived in this particular area in New Jersey. I lived in South Jersey, Perth Amboy. Mm-hmm. And I lived close to the dope block. This guy, he, you know, woos me, gets me to be his girlfriend or whatever, but he's a dope dealer. He needs to live where I am so he can serve sell. everyone. Mm-hmm. So he can serve over. Yeah, you know your shit. I know, I know. Right. I'm with him and I smoke up all his shit all the time or whatever, but he, he never hit me. He, he just never, he just was like, whatever. That's mm-hmm. my rent, I guess. Mm-hmm. So my disease got worse. You know, by this time I have my son. Jason is like one. Mm-hmm. We got kicked out of the apartment because my landlord found out, you know, there's this dope dealer living there. He's beating up, you know, his runners and shit, you know, beating him on the stairs. Just like crazy life. So he's like, no, I don't want your money. You got to go. Ended up homeless again with my son. 
but in New Jersey, it's okay to be homeless, kind of, mm-hmm. because like you can go to welfare and they'll put you up. So I got put up in like a welfare motel mm-hmm. on one and nine in New Jersey. The gem, can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> the gem fucking motel. That's what it is. Yeah. And I got busted there. And that's my For downward what? spiral. Distribution. Okay. Attempted distribution. Yeah. Okay. To an undercover cop. Okay. Like, I didn't know any better. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get high. So if I serve somebody, yeah. then I get broken off. That's the life I that's was living. Okay. Yeah, that's the life I was living in that homeless motel where almost everybody was smoking thing. crack. Yeah, yeah it's, it was crazy. And I can't believe I ended up there. But mm-hmm. I did. I ended up there. This Catholic school raised girl with fucking morals and straight laced and sit up straight and be a lady i was fucking i was fucking and sucking and mm-hmm. selling whatever so i i got arrested and that's still my oldest is 28 mm-hmm. that's still wreckage of my past mm-hmm. i'm still dealing with it so what happens when you get out of jail you know of course i promised everything was going to be cool but i lost custody of my son i lost custody of jason to my aunt and that just freed me up to mm-hmm. like just get high and party so that's what i did i got high and i partied for the next six years and then you got clean? I got clean in 99. What like event led you to getting clean? Like, did you know people that were clean? No. I had a sugar daddy. Mm-hmm. By this time, I'm in Florida, right? Because my family is like, okay, you're fucked up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We need you to go to Florida to your sister. And you guys can live together. She'll keep you straight. Because they really thought it was my friends. Mm-hmm. They're like, you hang out with fucked up people. Of yeah. course, they get high. You know, I want to I be fucked up with them. So I come to Florida to live with my sister. And the first person I meet is a crackhead. Mm. You know, a couple more years, I got high. And then, so I met this sugar daddy guy. You know, he's an older guy. Mm-hmm. And he had money. And he thought I was younger than I was. And he wanted to keep me, so he kept me. I had my little apartment or whatever, and he would give me, like, my allowance every Mm -hmm. Wednesday. Of course, there was never any food in the fridge. I tried to keep my hair done Mm -hmm. and stuff to, you know, look appealing. I just never had shit. And one night, I remember, it was like a Sunday night, Brian. And, um, like, look, I don't care what time of the day I left my house. Mm -hmm. I could leave my house at 3 in the morning, and I'm getting something. Yeah. With no money. Yeah. This Sunday night, I left my house. I had no money. I had a skirt, on, like a black skirt on that was slit from here to there, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, I'm trying to make money. Yeah. I'm trying to get something. Uh-huh. And what part of Miami? Is this Miami? No, dude. That was Fort Lauderdale. In Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale. Yeah. Wow. Right off of, ni- can I say it, 19th yeah. and 441? Okay. Yeah. And I thought I was living in like the lap of luxury in mm-hmm. Sandal Grove. You know, there mm-hmm. was, they had like a gated entrance like, and whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm rich. But no, <laughs> crack community is just all cracked out over there. So this Sunday night, I leave my house and I'm looking, I think I'm looking cute and fresh. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll get something. You mm-hmm. know, I had my crack pipe in my bra and like a brown paper bag. I always had a brown paper bag. It was like mm-hmm. my purse. <laughs> I had my lighter in there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's for real. Yeah. A brown paper bag was my pocketbook. I had my cigarettes in there, a pusher. Mm-hmm. If you smoke crack, you know what a pusher is. So I had my cigarettes, a pusher, and a lighter mm-hmm. in that bag. So I'm fucking walking down the street, and nobody will pick me up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be cocky. Just the way I dressed mm-hmm. and the way I did, like, I was used to getting picked up. Yeah. And for some reason, no one was picking me up that night, mm-hmm. right? In desperation, I reached out. I saw a BSO guy on the, you know, he was parked, like, by these warehouses. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hi! 
Wow, like, to hey, the officer. Cop? Yeah, I, I yeah. went to the cop and I'm Has like, that worked before? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went to this cop and I'm mm-hmm. like, hi, so I need a ride. And mm-hmm. he's like, Yeah, where are you going? I'm like, oh, over there and I named the intersection, mm-hmm. 19th and 19th. I knew that if I got to that dope house, if I got there, like, dude was going to break me off. Yeah. No money, no nothing. You know, I have my moneymaker, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I have my coochie. It's my moneymaker. Okay. It's all good. Yeah. I asked the guy for a ride to this place, and he's like, hey, what are you doing over there? You can't be going to buy drugs, are you? I'm like, drugs? Officer, do I look like I do drugs? Mm-hmm. And he's like, listen, I'll take you anywhere you want to go if you let me run your name. I couldn't let him run my name, Brian. Like, jail is a part of my story. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I don't think I had fulfilled my requirements for New Jersey because I got out mm-hmm. on my own recognizance, on probation, all that stuff. So I was kind of scared. I, I've been arrested a couple of times. So that night, I, you know, I gave him a fake name. He's like, stop messing with me. That's not you. Mm-hmm. I gave him a fake, you know, I just kept shooting fake shit. And mm-hmm. he's like, listen, you stand right here. I'm going to get, I think you're doing drugs or something. I'm going to get a female officer out here to search you and um, whatever. So I got a little nervous. And I'm just standing there, Brian. He's over here. And then another cop car pulls up, but it's a guy. It's mm-hmm. another male. So I'm like, oh, I'm cool. I'm good. And in that exchange, you know, they're standing there talking to one another. Picture yeah, when, it. This, when the second car, cop car pulls up, it's never good. Right. But I, like, I don't know. Yeah, you're like, whatever. I don't know. And plus, I was out. fucking fiending. Mm-hmm. You know, I was fiending for drugs. And I'm cocky. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm good. So he's standing there. I'm in the middle. I'm between these two cars. Mm-hmm. And my cop had his window a little bit rolled down. Mm-hmm. And I threw my shit. I threw. In his car? Yes. Oh, my God. Stupid. I say stupid, but it's a God thing. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of what started my journey mm-hmm. to get clean. To, like, let that shit go. Needless to say, he saw it. Peripherally, he saw it. And he's like, hey, what's that? What did you throw in my car? I'm like, nothing. He mm-hmm. finds my crack pipe. It's this big, wrapped in tissue. He mm-hmm. laughs. He tests it. He found drugs that, that I couldn't even fucking find. <laughs> but um, so I got arrested. And that was my last time I got arrested. Mm-hmm. That one night that I did. I mean, I've done months. I've done mm-hmm. nine months. I've done six months. I did 30 days. Mm-hmm. But that one night, November 98, I got arrested for the last time. And I did one night because, you know, Sugar Daddy bailed me out. Mm -hmm. He bonded me out. And he bonded me out. And he was like, you want one for the road? I'm like, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Because he thought I was a casual user. Yeah. You know, because when he came around. Like doing coke or something. Well, I don't even know if he knew what I did. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I tried to keep it a little bit together. Mm -hmm. So he thought I was casual. You know, I'm not homeless. I'm not Mm -hmm. foot dragging or, you know, I'm pretty. He could Mm -hmm. still carry me around his friends or whatever. That was my last time in jail, man. And something about that one night in jail, I'm like, I don't want to fucking come back here. Mm -hmm. I'm never coming back here. But I used. I used until... And let me tell you, the turning point for me, really was when someone said, you know, I, I was pregnant. By this time, I'm pregnant with Justin. You know okay. Justin. Yeah. So I'm pregnant with Justin. No, I got to tell you. New Year's Eve, December 31st, 98. I'm in a room getting high with my friend Keisha. You know, my friend Keisha. Mm-hmm. We're getting high. And at midnight, she's like, put the pipe down. And I'm like, what? You know, we had a bunch of drugs on the table. She's like, let's put the pipe down and pray. At that point, I didn't know how to pray. Mm-hmm. God and me, not friends, whatever. You know, you, you fucked me. I'm not dealing with you. And she's praying. And she's like, dear God, 
please help us. You know, it's 1998. It's going to, it's 1999. We're two young, pretty girls, you know, out here. Do something. Please help us. And she's saying Was this she religious prayer. or high? She was high as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Because I've seen people smoke crack and get real religious. She, she was high she was as like that? fuck. Was she like that, she though? Was, I don't know if she was religious. Mm-hmm. I don't think she ever went to church or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do know this. She came from a good home. Mm-hmm. By the end of our road, I mean, she was selling pussy to this, like, 500-pound man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just the whole disgusting scene. She said this prayer and whatever, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's done. She's done praying. Mm -hmm. Two weeks after that, Keisha comes to my house, and she's like, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm like, what? I'm like, wow, do you know whose it is? And I'm like, come on, let's go get some, right? Mm -hmm. So we went and got something. For the next two weeks, she came to my house with a fucking thing that she put on her belly. Mm Like every time she got high, she would put this thing on her belly and a and, stethoscope and listen. Okay. and listen to see if she could hear the heartbeat. And Brian, no shit. A month later, I realized I hadn't got my period, mm-hmm. but I was getting so high. Like it didn't matter to me whether I got it or not. That's mm-hmm. an inconvenience. I can't work. I can't make money with that. So mm-hmm. it was cool to not have it. Realized I'm pregnant and I was pregnant with Justin. Justin. Yeah. The end of my shit really was this. Some crackhead told me like, you know, dude that I was buying from, he wouldn't sell to me anymore. He's like, you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't sell to you. He's like, I got kids. So he wouldn't sell to me. Yeah, a lot of people don't see that because a lot of times people see like crackheads and they just like see them as like animals. And it's like even me, like there's times where. I've seen a lot of sympathy and empathy and like kindness from drug dealers. Yeah. And more than I would show them, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. like I would rob them, you know, all sorts of shit. And it's like a lot of times when people see like crackheads on the street, like to me, I see like I still see that there's potential and like these, like I just believe they can get clean. Even the worst, the worst people have been using for like 20 years, you know, like because I see it all the time in N.A. Yeah. You know, I'm recovery, you know, it's cool to hear like that a drug dealer is like, no, I'm not Absolutely. selling to someone who's pregnant. You know? Yeah, I, I would have to go out of the area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was a cool guy because he would come, he would bring it to me. Mm-hmm. But I would have to start traveling to go get it. Yeah, he's like, I'm not selling to you, Anne. You're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Then this other girl that I'm getting high with, she's like, what are you going to do with that baby? You know, when if you have that baby and the baby is dirty, you could get arrested. Mm-hmm. And that's all I needed to hear, that I could get arrested. You didn't want to go to jail. I did not ever want to go to jail ever, ever again. So I'm like, fuck. And I remember I had gone to detox once Okay. in Broward. Mm-hmm. You know, Sugar Daddy was threatening to leave me. Mm-hmm. He was threatening to leave me or whatever or stop paying the bills. And I'm like, I'll go get help. I'll go get help. And I went to detox for like three days and I heard nothing. It didn't dawn on me that I had a problem. I just needed to, you know, chill out for a few days and mm-hmm. then go back and get high, you know, like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> so it never worked. So I knew where to go. And I'm not going to say the name, but mm-hmm. I went to a detox and I asked them, you know, can I come here? They, I told them I was pregnant. They're like, oh yeah. You know, they sent me to a hospital to get the actual pregnancy mm-hmm. test. And that's where my fucking story began. My real story, because Mm -hmm. I walked into that detox. I just have to tell you this one little detail because it's crazy. So remember that night I asked the police for a ride? Mm -hmm. So here I am. I got my clearance to go to detox. They told me to come back the next day. So I'm like, okay, one last hurrah. Mm -hmm. And I'm in this apartment. It's so hot. 
The freaking lights are turned off. The girl has a newborn baby. Like, she's asking me to watch this baby while she goes to cop. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back and she's not giving me shit. And I'm like, fuck you. Watch this. I'm going to go out there, make my fucking money, come Mm -hmm. back and smoke in your face. Mm -hmm. Brian, I walked outside. The first car that stopped for me, the guy's like, hey, what can I do for you? I'm like, you got money? Yeah. He was like, I do have money, but if you want to eat something, I'll go get you something to eat. And I'm looking in the car and the floorboards are like eating out and Mm -hmm. whatever. I'm like, I'm not going to get any real money from this dude. I'll take the food. He goes into 7-Eleven. He buys me a sandwich. He's like, anywhere else I could take you? And out of my mouth just comes, yeah, take me to detox. I didn't mm-hmm. say detox. You said the place. I said the address and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And by that time, it's like 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning. And I sat at detox. I laid on the bench and I stayed there until they opened up. Wow. And that was my last day using, April 14th. Wow. Yeah, 99. And then how has your journey been since then? My journey has been, it's, well, it's been amazing. Well, like, so when you went to detox, like, how did you, like, find out about, like, the rooms and, like, what, like, inspired you to, like, stay clean? Like, because I know it wasn't just, like, a one-day, like, thing, you no. know? Mm-mm. So what happened? I didn't want to stay clean, Brian. Yeah. I went to detox because I was trying to not go to jail. Mm-hmm. I had a court case coming up. I knew I had to go to court sometime in May. So I wanted to just clean up, go to court and present my case. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know, I used to get high. I used to do drugs. But I'm, you know, I'm in detox and two days in this old lady, you know, she's my caseworker or whatever. They take your notes. And she's like, so what are you going to do after this? I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, well, I'm going to suggest that you go to this place. It was in-house treatment. Mm -hmm. And she says, you're going to stay there until you have your baby. That's my suggestion. That's my recommendation. You know, by this time, Sugar Daddy was, he was kind of fed up anyway. Mm -hmm. He had stopped paying the the rent. He told me I should leave. You know, he was done with me. Mm -hmm. But I really thought he wasn't. You know, he's just trying to, you know, do this tough love thing. Mm -hmm. So I figured if I do the little detox thing and go to treatment, then he'd take me back. Yeah. So I leave the detox and I was four months pregnant. So I did five months in rehab and I tried to get put out of there every single time <laughs> I did when it was quiet time I was the loudest yeah. when you know I'm walking through the halls and you don't know me as this person mm-hmm. I was angry I was belligerent I was pissed mm-hmm. and I would walk through the halls like this fuck you fuck you mm-hmm. and I don't remember that someone else told me old man Jerry he just died yeah, you wow. know Jerry yeah, yeah. Jew making Jerry mm-hmm. Jerry there are like three of us now that were in rehab together wow. one of them passed mm-hmm. so he told me he's like damn you went from this to this mm-hmm. before I left rehab I was giving people the peace sign they're like what's up Kay mm-hmm. I'm like peace yeah instead of okay yeah my journey is basic Brian I listened to everything they told me to do That's what Mm -hmm. I did because I really didn't know. I had no interest in staying clean. Mm -hmm. It was just to have this clean baby and be, you know, and get on with my life and use like a regular person. I didn't know I was an addict just yet. I'm in freaking rehab. We have all these groups. They mean nothing to me. Mm -hmm. We have all these whatever individuals mean nothing to me. This pretty ass girl comes in pretty as fuck. Mm-hmm. Real cute, real cute girl. Mm-hmm. She comes in with H&I. Mm-hmm. She's everything I want to be. You know, she smells good. She looks good. She's happy. You know, nice body, nice clothes. And she said, she told my story pretty much. She told the part about, you know, selling her coochie. 
mm-hmm. for little or nothing, coming from a decent home, ending up homeless and helpless on the street, mm-hmm. helpless and hopeless on the street. Like that was my main attraction, that she smelled good and she looked good. Mm-hmm. And she came from where I came from. And I got a little bit of inkling of hope. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say H and I, but I heard the message mm-hmm. and I started to believe them. You know, I mean, you can't make up stuff like that. Yeah. Their experience, strength and hope was just like mine. And there was like so many. You know. And so many. It was repetitious. You yeah. know, it was like every Monday and every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that's where my hope came in that, mm-hmm. OK, all right, maybe I'm an addict. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have a problem because I even I tried. I wanted to get high. I got out on a pass one day and I went looking for dude like Mm -hmm. this one guy that I knew would give me some. He was not there. Wow. And he owned a store in the plaza. Mm hmm. And he wasn't there. He's always there. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there that Sunday. So I, I feel like, you know, God was looking out for me. He mm-hmm. looked out for me when I got arrested by that stupid ass cop. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Deputy Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> I got arrested that night. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that morning when the guy who gave me a ride had no he wasn't trying to buy any coochie. Mm-hmm. He was just trying to be a good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. He was a good Samaritan. I got saved. And then I just basically just started listening to what people told me and just doing what they told me to do. And I did that for the first five years clean. Wow. Like, when did you start going to meetings and start, like, you know, realizing, like, the benefits of, like, recovery and, like, actually staying clean and, like, changing your life? Okay, so from rehab, Mm -hmm. I went to a halfway. Mm -hmm. And the requirements were pretty tough. Mm -hmm. If you want to go anywhere, get any privileges or whatever, you have to do 90 meetings in 90 days, 90 Mm 12-step meetings in 90 days. And we had to get the paper signed. So here I am. My kid is like three days old. I'm in this place. Wow. And you have your kid with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the halfway? Yeah, yeah. So it's like a halfway for pregnant women? It's a place for women and children. Yeah, pregnant women, women with kids and whatever. In that place... I already knew. I had heard it. Like, get a sponsor. And plus, some dude, I don't know if you remember Joey. And Joey, Joey and used Cheryl? To, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Joey said one thing, and it's stuck in my brain. He's like, when you guys leave here, he's like, who's leaving here within a week? Mm-hmm. He's like, you have to know what you're going to do when you leave here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. By that time, I knew what I was going to do because I was going to be in another place. Mm -hmm. So thank God that I was because I had structure. And I'm a good rule follower. I was raised that way. I was raised strict. Mm -hmm. Follow the rules. Just do what the fuck you're supposed to do and everything will be all right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So I go to my first meeting. I don't know if this is for me or whatever because it was at the 530 Mm -hmm. group. And back then it was at a different place. And I'm like, I don't have much in common with these people. It's in the hood. Yeah. Right. It was totally hood. Come on now. Like, I got high in the hood. Yeah. Like, I would go, I would go to the hood dressed like a secretary, Mm -hmm. right? Because I want to put on this front. I'm dressed all nice, nice shoes and everything. And I go Friday night with my like a hundred dollars or whatever. And by the time I leave, my Nine West shoes, my whatever, whatever it is I was wearing and Mm -hmm. thinking I'm so cute was left in the crack house and I'm walking out barefoot. And then I want to go to this meeting and like judge people, you know, disease. But either way, so I go and what kept me going is I heard the secretary's report and they had dances. Wow. Like we could party. I never heard anyone say that before. That's cool. No, fuck. Yes. That wow. was my thing. And my people in, you know, recovery, reco- they will tell you like Carol was at every dance. She would dance from the start to the finish. Justin was in a stroller chopped up against uh-huh. a speaker. My kid could sleep through a fucking train wreck. Wow. Yeah. But I danced <laughs> my ass off. 
Wow. Yeah, I did. That's cool. So my first two years clean was basically like Dances. I would probably talk through the speaker and then secretary's report. Mm-hmm. Where's the next Where's function? Where's the next dance? Yeah. And that, oh, that's cool. I'm a party girl. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, how has your journey been you know, since then? Oh, God. It's been up and down. Right now, it's on the up. Mm-hmm. It's been on the up for about five or six years. So I came in here. You know, I, I got clean. I leave freaking the rehab situation. I got my own place. I'm raising my son. I'm doing everything in my power to, like, raise this really independent, strong human being. Mm-hmm. Because, like, getting clean and just taking care of yourself is one thing. Getting clean and having to take care of a kid, too. That's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And And many times I felt like, you know what, I'm done. You know, it was just too much. So those times were like up and down, very Mm -hmm. rocky for me. But I had women, strong women, strong parents in my life. And they taught me what to do. Did you get custody of Jason? I never tried. Mm -hmm. I just thought I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to make it. And what about Justin? Justin, I never had any courts or anything with him. Yeah, but you guys have like a good relationship and everything. Yeah, we have a pretty good relationship. An excellent relationship, Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, like any 22 year old, because he's 22 now. Mm-hmm. He survived, right? Mm-hmm. He survived me with all yeah. my craziness. And don't get me wrong, I was not like a perfect parent because I dragged my son to meetings. Mm-hmm. He went to meetings. If I wanted to go to one at midnight, he's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, conventions all over the place. Yeah, he's coming. You know, me sleeping with 15 people in one room to mm-hmm. economize or whatever to go to Marco Island. Oh, yeah. He's coming. Mm-hmm. But he had a fun life. Mm-hmm. Here's the difference. So my older son, he, of course, he's resentful as He probably should be Mm because I didn't raise him. So when I give him suggestions, I'm running his life. When I give Justin suggestions, he's like, oh, it's just a suggestion. Yeah. He was raised around recovering people. Mm -hmm. And he knows my story. I told my kids my story as soon as I could. As soon as I thought they could understand, I told them, Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to. But if you do, and even now, I don't don't ask him, are you drinking? Do, Do you have a problem? I don't. But I've always told him. If you find yourself drinking and say you want to stop and you can't stop, call me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but my journey has been awesome. I mean, I had some gut-wrenching time in recovery. Mm -hmm. I never relapsed. I had one white key tag. Once I realized that life was good, and when I say life is good, I don't mean everything was perfect, but life was good. I was no longer homeless. And guess what? I was in rehab when I went to court. They gave me like 18 months probation Mm -hmm. and supervision or whatever. And because I stayed clean, they cut that shit to nine months. Yeah. In nine months, I was free of the freaking system. So I realized that. Yeah. When you're using probation, it's like never ending. It's It's always going on. Right. It seems so hard to like, how am I ever going to do probation? Exactly. Impossible. I can't even get a speeding ticket. (laughs) It seems like it's like, but when you're clean, it's like nothing. nothing. It's like, yeah, it was almost brainless. I never wondered if my urine was going to be clean or whatever. I yeah, you have it was to show clean. up to your probation officer once a week. It's nothing. Yeah. yeah. But the first time I got arrested, I had my freaking sister-in-law peeing and I would put it in a condom, yep. stick it between my tits and keep it warm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, drop. Yeah. And it was always clean. Mm-hmm. So you've been clean a long time. I've been clean 22 years and I didn't do anything special. Mm-hmm. The only thing special that I did, Brian, is like, I don't know anybody that I got high with. I don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have real friends out there anyway. You know, they were get high buddies. Yeah. So I don't get high. So I don't need to be oh, looking up 
those people. I don't look them up. So people, places, things, don't get me wrong. I partied my ass off mm -hmm. in these rooms, you know, in these recovery, in yeah. recovery. I partied. I've gone to outside clubs. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, but definitely with a group. You know, it's a bunch of us. Yeah. And then when I had maybe like at some point, then Maddie and I started going. That's my wife. Mm -hmm. Maddie and I started going out like once in a blue moon. We'd meet people someplace. Or was whatever. it hard coming out when you got? When I got clean, it was hard coming out to my family, mm -hmm. not to the people. in, in yeah. You know, I, I didn't really care about these people. Mm -hmm. You know, at first I wanted to still stay in the closet mm -hmm. because it's more comfortable in the closet right you don't get the comments and all that you know guys saying i'll fuck you straight baby you know <laughs> stuff like that yeah. like i started getting that after i came out like mm -mm -mm, what i wouldn't do <laughs> right yeah being in recovery it allowed me to like not say embrace but just admit that part that side mm -hmm. You know, because it would have been easy to say I'm bisexual, but like I'm not. You know, I did what I had to do when mm -hmm. I was out there to get drugs, but I always had a girlfriend. Coming out to my family, Jamaican, mm -hmm. Jamaica West Indies family, was very tough. I got married in 2018. Mm -hmm. None of the old people came to my wow. The yeah. only people from my family that came were my cousins, like the younger people. Yeah. My cousins, my niece, my brother, one of my brothers. Yeah. Why do you think some people stay clean and some people use? I can tell you why I stayed clean and mm -hmm. that I haven't used yet. The reason I haven't used yet is because I get to be real. I don't have to pretend. Mm -hmm. I can live and be who I am because I think being closeted and, and whatever and being mm -hmm. so fearful of society like kept me in the dark. Because getting high, I was always in the dark. I lived a dark lifestyle. You mm -hmm. know, I was always out at night unless I was out there on yeah. a hustle or whatever. But just being able to be myself keeps me clean. Mm -hmm. And I do the work. Yeah. I do the work. Like I do what people tell me to do. And I think that's what keeps me clean is that I stay focused on like, this is what I want. And what I want is happy, joyous, and free. I want life with a home. I want to be in a home. Mm -hmm. I want stability. I want to know where my next meal is coming from. And I never knew that when I was using. Yeah. I never knew it. I have basic needs. Basic. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thank you for coming on the show. I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, I never heard Carol speak. So yeah. it's cool to get to know you more and to hear your story. Yep. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yes, always. I love you, Brian. Love you too. Thank you so much. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. <laughs>